0: In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us, all right, what shall we do? And it says, all right, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, let us labor to enter into rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So there's a work, all right, to overcome unbelief. So he said, let's labor, all right, to overcome so that we can enter into rest. He didn't say, let us labor, so that we can enter into the fulfillment of or fulfill God's promise, he said, let us labor to enter into rest. He didn't say let us labor to enter into the promised land. He said, let us labor to enter into rest concerning the promised land and God will take us into the promised land. In other words, it is because you have not entered into rest, that is why you are trying and doing things to get in. Your business is to enter into rest. It is the business after that has been done of the earth to make sure that anything a man has entered into rest concerning the earth must bring it forth. In other words, the opportunity for that to happen, the earth will present it. And as easy as it is to walk from here to here, so will it be easy because he has ceased from his own works to walk into the fulfillment of that particular thing. So, your own labor is to enter into rest. Your labor is not to try, all right, to enter into the promise. Enter into rest, which is a thing inside your heart, where you cease from your own work there, right? And you are doing a particular work, and finally you get into rest, and you say, Now, I got this stuff, I'm in place of rest here, okay? Which means I've entered into rest, and then it says, The kingdom of God is that every man will cast seed into the ground. The word cast is forced into the ground, which is his heart. And then once that has happened, he enters into rest. And then the seed will spring forth and grow, he knoweth not how. So what do we mean by rest? A practical example I can give was a teaching by Kenneth Hagin on the subject of faith. And a woman came to meet him, and she said to him, You know, I've been praying about this son of mine who seems to have got into wrong company and all of that. And with the way in which he's going on with his life, he probably will ha- end up in jail or wind up dead one day on the streets. So I need you to pray with me that none of this true happens and that he comes to the Lord and lives his life for Christ. And Kenneth Hagin said, for me to join you in prayer with what you have said, could be as good as saying, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Nothing is going to happen. Neither will anything change. She said, why? He said, it's because you are saying it and you can only have what you are saying. Since you are saying he will either wind up dead or wind up, all right, or end up in jail, we cannot pray beyond your declaration concerning him. So you have to do something, which is change what you are saying about him and begin to believe, all right, that in that new thing there. So he says, if you can do that by yourself, you will change that boy." So to cut a long story short, a year later, he came, she came with the boy, and he was all well, properly dressed, said he had enrolled in a Bible school, he was going to become a preacher. And he said, so how did this happen? She said it wasn't easy at the beginning. She said what happened was that I developed this declaration, and in the declaration I said, I surround my son with faith and love. And I declared, he shall not end up in jail, he shall not wind up dead, and began to declare the things that she believed about him. Now, what she used to do prior to that time was that she will pray fervently for the boy, and then when he gets up and says, I'm going out, she gets agitated, tries to stop him from going out, pulls him, don't go out, shouting, throwing tantrums. The boy will go out, and then she will cry, and then she will pray again which means she hadn't entered into rest. She was in a disturbed state concerning him. All right, she will pray, but she was praying with anxiety. And she will pray and then do that. Then she said, all right, she understood it. So what she did was that she started declaring. She said, every time you think about your son, say it. So she started declaring. I surrounded said it was difficult at first because what happened was, first of all, I was still trying to do it, then I got it. Because I would say it, but then I would try and do it, and it wasn't working, then I got it. So I left him alone. And I began to say, when he goes out at night, and I'm tossing on the bed, thinking about him, I will say, I surround him with faith and love and call his name. You shall not wind up and declare those things. Said it was difficult at the beginning. He said, it's okay. he said, it was difficult, but I made myself do it. I made myself do it. He said, then I began to say, I believe. He shall. I believe. I believe. Said she noticed something after some time of declaring this and declaring it. After some time, when he now decides he's going out, there will be no movement in her heart and she will not try to stop him. Nothing. Not yet. She now realized she had entered into the place of rest concerning that. She won't try, no effort. He says something, nothing. And then when you get into rest, she now discovered. That actually, all right, there are many things she could still do. He was still her son, and there are many things she could do for her son there, all right. It wasn't she had defined him just in the context of him going out and all of it, all right. It's just like someone who says, oh, my husband drinks. I want to change him. I want to change him. He smokes. He drinks, all right. And then you are pulling. You are hiding the cigarette, pulling the the bottle of, or whatever it is, all right, creating. And, all right, she said, and now you've stopped even loving the man, you you, you're almost hating him because of his do you get what i'm saying here which means you stop relating with him all right or the woman you stop relating with her because of that that flaw in her character you've gotten into unforgiveness you have developed a grudge inside your heart you're bitter and she realized that listen all this was going on so she said listen what will i do okay he's coming back in the morning from it she make breakfast for him all right and do all of that so when you wake up after your time out at night, here's the food you should eat and all of that. And she started. If, if he's not going out, he's at home. She will talk to him on other issues. Not about, I hope you're not going out again. I hope you're not. And started having conversations. And started enjoying relating with her son. Even though he was still doing that. She had entered into the place of rest. Praying. Believing that it was done. Not, no agitation. Now what happened? Said one morning on Sunday. He got back late. Early in the morning. And then woke up quickly, and came to meet her and said, "Mom, all right, what time is the service again? I want to go with you." She said to show that she had entered into rest, she turned to him and said, "You know what? I think you'll be tired. I mean, this is the thing you have been praying about that suddenly has been answered, yet you are pushing it away from." She wasn't even conscious of it. Said, "No, no, 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 go and rest. You'll be tired and all of that. Maybe some other time." He said, "No, no, 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 no. I want to go today." I want to go today. Now, let me tell you what, what might happen there. You see, God wanted to show the guy something, so he made sure that she said, no, 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 no." not knowing that the message the pastor was going to preach that morning was a message by word of knowledge will describe what is going on in his life. Had it been that you forced him to church, follow me, and he finally follows you to church. And he sits down, and the pastor being anointed, is preaching, describing things, All right? And you are saying yes? I hope you have seen it. Yeah? (coughs) Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Jesus is Lord. Faithful God. As far as that boy is concerned, you went to tell the pastor before he came. So the whole essence of that message is destroyed. It's manipulation. But knowing that I was the one who insisted I was coming and she said, knows that when, when he got there and the man started preaching, describing what was going on, he knew this was an encounter with God. Are, are you for what I'm saying? So what you do is believe. You work on your own self. So come to the point that whosoever says to this mountain, he didn't say go and move the mountain. He says what you need to come to is that you say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and you doubt not. But believe that what you are saying will come to pass. You shall have. He didn't say, go and do it. He says, you shall have. Which means, I will make sure what you are saying that you don't doubt in your heart comes to pass in your life. But we are not working on our heart. We believe we are good on our heart. And so, we say it, and then in agitation, we push the mountain. And the more you get yourself involved in the process, the more God steps out of the process there. So finally there, all right, you come to that point. There's agreement your mouth and your heart are in agreement. It is said, uh, it's a bold statement, but let me tell you this. There is no prayer that has been offered by the lips of a man where his heart is in perfect agreement with the confession that he is making concerning that thing that has gone undenied on the earth. Let me repeat that you said I mean, they came to Kenneth Copeland, asked Bill Winston, he said, how did you buy this mall for your church? He said, God showed me and said, that mall belongs to you. He said, but I must tell you, even when God told me that mall belongs to you, and I looked at the mall, and I looked at myself, I was in unbelief. I knew it was God's will, but I did not believe. He said, the deacon I sent... To so go and find out about the mall came back and his first words were, Sir, wonderful place. That east wing will be good for us. Just, he said, no, God said the whole mall. The he said, what did he say? He said, hall, hall, hall. I, I, I thought you just meant the hall there. We should buy the mall. the mall? Another man came and said, Sir, in the whole of this area in Chicago, have you ever seen a man with this color of skin own anything here? Do you know what you're talking about? He said, so, even though he knew it was God's will, he doubted. And that he had to work on his heart to make the transition from unbelief to the place of perfected faith. So that he himself accepted that they were going to enter into that mall one day. Now many people don't do that work of coming to the place, as the Bible says, of Abraham, he was fully persuaded. means that there was a process of persuading his heart which means he got to a point where he was now fully persuaded, not partially, fully persuaded. That's why Jesus looked at the boy and said, listen, my son has this. He said, if you can believe all things are possible, he said, Lord, I believe or help my own belief. In other words, inside me, I know you can do it, but there's something in my system that is kicking against this, which means the way I've been raised in my childhood tells me that I can't get to that point. There's something in my subconscious that tells me you have reached the ceiling here. You can't go beyond this point. You're, even though you say that your will is like take nations, there's something inside me that says you can't leave Lakey area, which nations, just take East Wing of Lakey and you'll be good. Are you following what I'm i just can't see beyond that. Right? I just can't see beyond that. Right? And then when you get into rest, your heart has accepted. Once that is going on, all right, and the man starts praising God, for it, rejoicing in a place where he has entered into rest. No human being, I mean, I heard I say something once. He was preaching. He said, okay, guys, hold it. He said, let me tell you how I got every single thing I have in my entire life. He said, let, let's leave what I'm teaching alone. How did I get it? He said, how did we build this door? He said, the minute my heart was in agreement, with what was coming out of my mouth, which is what Jesus said, if you shall say and you don't doubt in your heart, only you know whether you doubt still, whether there's an element there, when all that has been erased out of your consciousness and there is no iota of doubt inside you and you fully accept it, the power of God goes into operation for the fulfillment of that particular thing. Now, I can say something in doubt and you will not know, but when I say it, my heart tells me, are you sure of this? Are you from saying? But well, I can say it, and I know that I've made some progress here, and I come to a point where I'm fully persuaded concerning it. Right? And then you do that, and you begin to praise God, and thank Him. And don't forget this: that when you start praying, and the angels begin to come in to visit, what the angels principally are bringing is information. Angels are bringing information to you concerning that thing. Information means rare insight. And they expect you act on the inside. And you make adjustments based on the insight that they are bringing to you. And, and people do have, you see, we think angelic visitation is some, you know, you see fluffy wings, you wake up and you are between heaven and earth and then you see this being. No. And many times people have angelic visitations, and they don't know because that's why Paul said some have entertained angels unawares, which means an angel can come in and you might not even know that it's an angel. And, and somebody steps into your space, and that's why you must be open-minded. You, now, you must be watching, as Jesus said. He said, when you are there and the lights are burning, he said, and you are watching. So that when Jesus knocks and comes into your space, and the angel brings the answer into your doorsteps and knocks on your house, and, and, and suggests something, that you will open the door and respond to that particular thing. All right? So angels, you know, will come in there. And 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 they will they will, your, your thoughts will come in things will happen around you they will create things to give you the cue that that's it. Uh, and, and I close with this and I was I, oh, I, mean, uh, I, I mean I mean I, few people few people I mean I'm a, I'm a conservative I'm, I'm a right wing so we're not really liked okay but you know my heroes in terms of politics are Margaret Thatcher Ronald Reagan we belong to that school of thought. And I believe that um, Margaret Thatcher was, was probably the greatest conservative leader in recent times. And when I say recent times, I mean the last 50 years. Maybe, maybe Winston Churchill was better. I even believe that the Gulf War that was fought in Iraq wasn't really George Bush and, and America. It was Margaret Thatcher that led that Gulf War. And I, I, I have reason to believe that, that she was the one, and I think George Bush said it, that suggested to him we need to fight that war. All right, that it has what is called unintended consequences. And the reason why I believe this was that Argentina had invaded Falklands and, and there's something in life that they call copycat behavior. If something happens and you don't check it, people are going to start reproducing it everywhere. So she said, even though Falkland is a small island, we can do without it. We have to get rid of those people so people don't start annexing countries all around the whole world. What is going to happen? but just be annexing islands around them. Which uh, um, Sarah Hussein did. He went to our next Kuwait and said he remembers that Kuwait was part of Iraq. All right? And said, let's go in. All right? And she had fought that war. But I was watching a documentary about her life over five hours. And, you know, when you read the, you, you, sometimes people have opportunities for things and they just don't recognize it. And how she became prime minister actually was by chance. When you say chance, I mean complete chance. Because what happened was, Around 1973, they asked her in an interview where she became the second woman to be appointed into the cabinet in Britain, all right, second woman ever to be a minister. And I said, do you think you could be prime minister one day? She said, she looked at the bell and said, not in my lifetime will a woman ever leave Britain, not in my lifetime. Say said, I understand Britain, nobody will do it. And no woman will ever lead in the Western world, no. I said, it just won't happen, all right. Subconscious said, it's just not going to happen. Well, three years later she was leading the conservative party all right six years later she won the election and what had happened in the way she became leader of the conservative party was just by chance i mean and when you listen to this so you know that sometimes there can be movement in your life that you can just overlook what is god and what happened was the party had decided to change its leadership and over there is if the, if your party is in power and you win the leadership of a party you become prime minister so if they change the leadership, the person becomes prime minister. Now, the guy who was there, was they saw some crisis started with minors, and, you know, they had a problem. said, okay, let's do a vote of confidence, and everybody said, oh, he's going to win, he's going to win, he's going to win. And the people who were set to take over from the man, who were ranking members of the Conservative Party, said because of their loyalty to him, they didn't want to challenge him. So, Margaret said, well, if nobody's challenging, then I'm going to challenge her just for the sake of having a competition. And she announced, I'm running for Prime Minister of Britain. But something in her must have told her, go for this thing. And what happened was some member of parliament that did not like the Mr. Heath went to meet the chairman of the party and said, have you considered Margaret Thatcher? And he said, well, he said, okay. He said, look, she can do it. Now, just about six of them, in fact, if they asked her, who is your campaign manager? She laughed and said, I cannot reveal my strategy. She didn't have campaign manager. I she didn't have a campaign manager. All right, that's how bad it was. So they got themselves together and said, what, how are we going to crack this thing and give her a, shout, uh, a fighting chance? So they said, all right, all the henchmen around this guy who we know want to become prime minister but don't want to look like they're betraying him will tell them that in the first ballot, you see, when you go for the first ballot, if he wins, all right, over 55%, then there will be no second ballot, he's prime minister. But if it's close, then you have a second ballot. So they said, let us just get the votes of Margaret Thatcher close so that we can get a second ballot. Then on the second ballot, they told those men, you can now come in. You may betray him. And they saw that, yes, we can come in on the second ballot. So they instructed their supporters, go in and vote for Thatcher to get us on the second ballot. They went in to vote. Thatcher won by 11 votes. But it wasn't enough to go, so they had to go to the second ballot. Of course, the man said, I'm resigning because, I mean, they have honor in that place. If, if I lost by 11 votes, they don't want me. It's here, we will not leave live." <laughs> but it says they don't want me, all right? So all right, by the time the real man who wanted to run came out, momentum was on Tacha, she won. And she became prime minister by chance, all right? Or became, she became leader of the party, not prime minister. So they now wanted to go for a general election, but I was just studying it. They had to sit with her. And this is where Christians struggle. You see, between I believe and receive and the manifestation comes is a journey of repentance. Repentance means making adjustments to your approach to things. All right? So what happens is you start making adjustments. So they went to meet her. In order to be acceptable to the people, they told her, the way you dress is too colorful. Change it. Wear dark suits. We'll dress this way. She changed. All right? So someone come and say, well, I'm believing God for a husband. They tell you that the way you appear, the young man will fear. You say, what do you mean? He say, I know what." He They say, look, change it. Calm down. All right? I mean, the people I talk to, calm down. That, look, the men will run away. Say, so what do you mean I can't tell you? If they can't accept me the way I am, then he's not a man. ah. Uh-huh listen. It is God that looks on the inside. Man is written, looks on the outside. Okay? He's a visual being, and he doesn't know the difference. Or, I don't mean anything, or if you are like this, or I'm just saying my own, all right? And when you wear the attachment that, as far as the man is concerned, he's earning 350000 young man trying to move up in his life. He checked Instagram and just stumbled on some Instagram pictures of attachments and he saw 150,000, 120,000 and assumed all attachments were 120,000. Then he saw you coming and what you had, even though it's 10,000, looked like 120,000. So he calculated salary, 120 gone. He looked down, saw the shoes glittering, but he doesn't know. He says again, 70,000 gone. He looks up. By the time he looks at you, his salary on one dressing, he says, oh boy, let's find somebody else. All right, so they, they'd say this. Well, said, no, 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 I'm not, a, I'm not a guy. They kept telling her, the tone of your voice is too high. Reduce it. She did it. She made all the adjustments that they told her. All the adjustments they told her. I mean, Boris Johnson is going to become Prime Minister on Tuesday. Oh, Britain. I watched that interview with him. He said, The power of communication. He asked the guy. He said, Now, when you are communicating, I learned something from him. He said, You have to use words. He was saying to Britain, He said, any word that, that's why even when preachers preacher and say Greek, the Greek, you could see, you, for listening to you know all the He said, any word that has its roots in a Latin word will not register in the consciousness of British people. So he said, listen to what Churchill said. We will not give up. Simple words, we will not surrender. We will fight. But he said, which of those words in all of that has a Latin? He said, surrender. He said, that word surrender is the only one they will have difficulty with. The other words he used were plain English. So, they understand the power of communication. They understand that, listen, there's a way in which you frame your language in order to get into the consciousness of people. There's a way you speak. They know that. And that's how they're doing it. Now, you tell the Christian, he tells you that, listen to me, the Holy Ghost, and he's just talking. He's just just talking. All right? And he just said, but he's just talking, right? That's why you say, Well, let me show you in the Bible. Paul himself said, Except you use words easy to be understood, you are speaking into the air. Paul said it. So it's the power there. So they learned these things. And she became prime minister. Listen, she said something. And I remembered something a professor said at platform. Even though we don't, in, well, don't let's confess wrong, but in this part of the air, we don't listen to these things properly. And when she said, we've got, because Soviets fired a South Korean airline with 248 people dead. And while they were talking about in cabinet meeting, her assistant said, we need to reset our relationship with Soviet Union. She said, all right, let's go into the bunkers here. Let's go into, into a particular place where they have their strategy meetings, call a few guys in the cabinet, and get us eight professors from Oxford and Cambridge who have studied Soviet Union. Let them come and enlighten us. The professors got to the place, showed them the map of the entire leadership of Soviet Union. This is how the Soviet Union collapsed. And they said, top cadre here, they are between the ages of 76 to 82. This is what this person has, disease. This is the condition of this person's body. He is going to live for four, three years. They went to the second cadre of leadership. They told them they knew the disease they had. And this is how long they will live. And they told Margaret Thatcher, They said the hidden man in the Soviet empire that people are not looking at, that will one day lead the Soviet Union is Gorbachev. He's young. He said, develop a relationship with him and we'll swing you Soviet Union in the future. She wrote a letter immediately after that meeting to Gorbachev to come and visit Britain and give him a state because they had seen ahead of time, 10 years, that this guy was going to be president, was was going to lead Soviet Union. So the angels want to come and give you serious insider information. All right? And they do it once your mind is open, various ways. You can look at ants and you see the way an ant is climbing the staircase, and he says, That's it. Your business, climb it like that, or your mind has to be Angels are coming. Uh, that's what Solomon looked at. So, a ah, so little slip, a little folding of hand. That is how your life will be as a garden that is overgrown. So, they start showing you things all right? show show you things once your mind is open and you get into those places there and powerful things begin to happen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that let this truth get established, grow within their hearts and produce fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening.